98 FM's Now That's What I Call Sport Podcast. It's a very big welcome to Now That's What I Call Sport on 98 FM. 98 FM's Now That's What I Call Sport with Jamie Moore. Yeah, what a fantastic day in our beautiful capital city. No joke, it's so, so nice in Dublin. So if you're still in bed or on the sofa or wherever you might be, get up, get out. And get moving, folks. To help you do that, now that's what I call Sports and 98 FM is with you over the next hour or so with myself, Jamie Moore. We'll be looking ahead to the Cheltenham Racing Festival and giving you some great tips on how to win a few quid with a host of experts. It's not a manufactured thing. It's something that people, it just happens. Um, and, it, you know, it's the best horses, primed to the minute with the, by the best trainers, ridden by the best jockeys, and everybody, 100% eyes out to win. 98 FM's League of Ireland Sunday. We'll hear about the first ever disability access officer in the League of Ireland with Bray Wanderers' Porrick Moran. It's got to be said to people with additional needs, we can go there. There is no difference. There is no barriers. We're equal. I don't want any barriers in the Carlow ground or within Bray Wanderers that someone will say, I can't go watch them. The Ireland manager Mick McCarthy and former boy in green John O'Shea will join us too. And then it's all about the Six Nations. Our hopeless women's team are hammered again. The under-20s won the competition with a game to spare, while Joe Schmidt's men are looking to move a step closer to retaining their crown in his last home competitive game in charge. I briefly mentioned it to my wife yesterday when I uh, when I called in at home, and it, it is one of those things that will be hard to say goodbye to, I've got to say. We've also got Euro qualifier tickets to give away, so let's get moving. 98 FM. Now that's what I call sport. Yeah, good morning. Just after five past nine in Dublin. Now, one of the biggest sporting events of the year, the Cheltenham National Hunt Racing Festival, gets underway this Tuesday. And 98 FM's racing correspondent, Dennis Kerwin, has been taking a look ahead and giving us some tips in the company of some special guests. Hello and welcome to Now That's What I Call Sports Preview of the 2019 Cheltenham National Hunt Racing Festival in association with BHP Insurance for all your community insurance needs. I'm Dennis Kerwin. I'm delighted to be joined by our regular racing analyst, Don McLean of Racing Television and the Sunday Times and by Dave Keena of the Irish Field and we're also joined by two special guests top jockey Patrick Mullins and by the lady who's making a bold bid to win the Irish Jockeys Championship this year and become the first lady ever to do so Rachel Blackmore you're all very very welcome folks um, Rachel you've yet to ride a winner at the, the Cheltenham Festival but uh, you've steadily managed to tick off most of your goals and I'm sure a winner at the festival is high in your list of current goals Yeah you know a winner at the Cheltenham Festival is what a uh something every jockey wants to achieve so um, you know I, I really hope this year is, is the year What's your earliest festival memory Rachel? You're a lot younger than the rest of us you're probably going to say something like Istabrak are you? <laughs> um, yeah I can't, I can't I don't know my earliest uh, festival memory um, you know probably watching Moscow Flyer uh, winning was you know when I was really into racing at that stage um, you know he was he was fantastic and you know I, I would have known Kate I suppose and that was a, another little draw into into him um, but uh, no look uh, there's plenty of memories there You've had a very very busy season so far obviously you, you've ridden 83 winners in an incredible season but in some ways next week allows you to park all that you go to Cheltenham you know the, the slate is clean for the week obviously it's not going to affect uh, your battle with Paul Townend and I'm sure you're really really looking forward to that and in many ways it's, it's, I suppose it's a bit of light relief from what has been a, an intense season for you so far 
Um, yeah, I don't know if you could uh, call Cheltenham light relief now, but uh, like uh, I, I feel in a privileged position to be to be going over there. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully be riding, be riding every day, and uh, you know, like it's it's very exciting. It certainly is, uh, Patrick. For for our listeners that have never been to a Cheltenham festival, where would you even begin to describe the colour and the atmosphere of those four days? Ah, sure. It's the the first Sunday of September for for um, for us, isn't it? Um, you know, the the Tuesday is the best day. Just there's the, this anticipation because from the minute the festival finishes on the Friday the year before, there's the anti post market for the next year, and everything that happens in the preceding twelve months um, is factored into what's going to happen at this year's festival. And when the Supreme Novice field go and that that roar that comes from the from the the crowd i mean it's standing there uh, it's it's a moment to be very proud of your sport you know it's it's um I, I haven't experienced anything else like it in, in Old Trafford or Crow Park or, or anywhere. Yeah, I, I think there's no doubt about that. I mean, I, I, I love golf as well and I always look forward to the British Open and I look forward to the Masters. But the British Open and the Masters are decided on the back nine on a Sunday. With Cheltenham, Dave, it's four days of the most intense competition. It really is hard to beat it, isn't it? Well, it is, but... I, I love my racing, but being a dub when Stephen Cluxton scored the go- scored that famous <laughs> point against Kerry, that, that was magical for me. That but, was the um, one occasion you actually cried, I believe. Oh, I right? bawled my eyes out. Proudly <laughs> so. Proudly so. Um, but I, I remember going to Cheltenham, you know, pre-work, and the year that Denoli won the what was the Sun Alliance hurdle, I was never as cold at a fixture, and I don't think there were that many televisions around. And I, I, I don't know whether the big screen was even up, but I, I went there with a friend of mine, and everybody was anticipating that he'd win, and you literally had to park yourself in the stand ten minutes before the race to get a position to watch the race. And to me, when he won, it kind of encapsulated everything that was brilliant about racing, like a small man, small trainer. I think everybody backed the horse because they could dine out on it that night. But that, for me, was the moment uh, as far as Cheltenham was concerned. Tom, I, I, I just tried to calculate last night. I think this is my 22nd consecutive festival and uh, I'm only whipping in in comparison to some people. I mean, <clears throat> it's extraordinary, you know, people just go yeah. back and back and back and back and they're drawn to it every year and you just don't want to miss it, you don't. No, it's it's a remarkable week tennis, as Patrick was saying. Like it, it's uh, it's unique, you know. It's very hard to describe it. It's the the, the getting there early on Tuesday morning and just the anticipation because it, everyone's a winner at that stage. The whole, you know, no nobody's been beaten yet, <laughs> um, and the anticipation that that brings and the kind of it's just you know you kind of you talk about the roar a bit and you, yes, it happens every year, but it, it always feels spontaneous every year. You know, it's not like. Um, it's it's not it's not a manufactured thing. It's something that people it just happens, um, and it, you know it's the best horses primed to the minute with the by the best trainers, ridden by the best jockeys, and everybody, a hundred percent eyes out to win. Like it's just it's a it's but an amazing. There is an element week. to me. There's a small little element of tribalism. Initially, it's the Irish for the English. And I think that kind of transcends over the course of the week. But Patrick and Rachel, are you aware of that, or would that come into the equation? It is the Irish taking on the English in their backyard. Not so much when you're riding there. Uh, you know, you're, you're everyone, you're taking on everyone <laughs> you're trying to beat, and often we're trying to be Gordon. <laughs> so we're trying to beat the bloody the other Irish. <laughs> it doesn't make it any easier when yeah, Gordon yeah. wins it. But you know, like people talk about this and they say, "Oh, it's not really early against England." But for, for me, it's the people you know. Like we want Rachel, to win, we want Patrick, and the, the lads, the trainers that you know and have been, and you know, you know them here. You want them to win. It's not because they're not necessarily be only because they're Irish. It's because you know them and you want them to win. We're going to do a quick tour of the table. We start with yourself. I need, very quickly, your nap for the festival. Uh, maybe Mr Whitaker in the Ultima. 
uh, again a Cheltenham Festival winner stepping up and trip I think to step up to three miles is what he wants he's off 151 which I think he has the potential to surpass um, and yeah I think the step up and trip could bring about improvement in him Of course uh, Mick Shannon um, a very very shrewd operator Dave your uh, nap for the festival and uh, maybe one for the handicaps I'm going to stick my neck out I'm going to say I think Lorena will be the likeliest winner of the, of the champion hurdle I think she's all of a sudden become real value and I and I think at four to one. I'd sooner back her at four to one now at the moment than anything else on the Tuesday. And there's one horse I think will run quite well in the Coral Cup is Tully East Alan Fleming's horse. Um he's been mapped out for the race. He's a previous festival winner, admittedly over fences. Uh, gets in with a much with a nice weight in his back in the Coral Cup and um he's a very, very big price. I think he'll run very, very well. I think he'll outrun his odds. Rachel, you're um you're you're basically your good thing for the festival and uh, maybe one for the handicaps. Henry Ram is going to run a horse in the Close Brothers uh, um, called Aplutard. Um, he beat Duke to, Duke to Geneva, uh, Willie's horse um, in Navan, or in Nace in his beginners. Uh, it was a little bit disappointing the last day then in Punchestown. He just seemed to get outpaced a little bit. But I think the 2-4 around here, a good stiff finish, um, it's really going to suit him. And um, yeah, I think he could be one to keep an eye on. Patrick, uh, your your good thing for the festival. I think Benny Dezeu is going to be boring. Benny Dezeu is our banker. Um, I think she's she's... She should be different gravy for the mares she's taking on. Um, and my each way bet, uh, I think Bacardi's is, is way overpriced. Um, in I was going to be third on him at worst in the stairs hurdle last year. Um, his form figures will put you off, but actually if you look into his form, um, especially in what looks an open year, I think he's hugely overpriced. And the other horse thing is overpriced is under so. Um, I think he's 7 or 8 to 1, no, 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 no bet in the Ryanair. For a horse who's been never out the first two in so many of his life starts um, and he's won the Ryanair before been second in it uh, I think he's a fantastic bet at, at 7 or 8 to 1 He's been extraordinarily consistent and um, you've had four winners to date at the Cheltenham Festival Patrick we hope you add to your tally this year OK that's our BHP Insurance look ahead to the 2019 Cheltenham National Hunt Racing Festival which gets underway next Tuesday at half past one and which will of course be preceded by that famous Cheltenham roar My thanks to Rachel to Patrick to Don and to Dave Enjoy the festival Good luck with your punting and thank you for joining us Great stuff Dennis Thank you very much You're on there That's what I call sports Here on 98 FM It's quarter past nine on Sunday morning in Dublin. Competition time now on the show. It's a new era for Ireland manager Mick McCarthy and the under-21 boss Stephen Kenny as they face their first home competitive games of 2019 in charge of the boys in green. And over the next two weekends on the show, we'll be giving away tickets for those games. So next weekend, we're going to give you a chance to be at Ireland against Georgia for Mick McCarthy's first home game. But first, it's Stephen Kenny and the 21s against Luxembourg in a Euro qualifier at Tallis Stadium on Sunday, March 24th. Tickets on sale right now on fai.ie forward slash tickets. If you'd like to be there, text or WhatsApp. Come on, you boys in green. Plus your name and where you are and the number you need is 0877 98 98 98. That's come on, you boys in green. Plus your name and where you are and text or WhatsApp to 0877 98 98 98 to be at Stephen Kenny's first home game in charge of the Ireland Under-21s, which is against Luxembourg in a Euro qualifier at Tallis Stadium in a couple of weeks' time. Now, on the way after the break, we are going to be joined by uh, Mr John O'Shea and Mick McCarthy who will tell us all about uh, that squad he's named. League of Ireland Sunday... We'll hear about Bray's brand new disability access officer. And then it's all about the Six Nations. 98FM's Now That's What I Call Sport. With the Liverpool Football Club Store, Ilac Centre. We are Liverpool. 
Yeah, you're welcome back to Now That's What I Call Support to 98FM. It's Jamie Moore here just before 20 past nine. It's Sunday in Dublin and it's lovely and sunny out and nice and fresh and a bit windy and we're very happy to be here and with you every Sunday between 9am and 10am. Anything you miss from the show, you can listen back in full and for free in the podcast section of 98FM.com and also on our app. And we repeat the show with extra versions and extended versions of each interview on the That's What I Call Support Extra every Sunday evening at 11 o'clock. Nathan Whelan, good morning. How are you? I'm good, sir. How are you? Mick McCarthy, good morning. Morning, all. How you doing? Good morning. Yeah, we have personalised good mornings from Mick McCarthy, the new order manager. Isn't that great? That's 100% legit, that. Yeah, well, he walked into the press conference at uh, the FAI during the week to announce his first order in squad. And, you know, nice. Sometimes the other managers, they walk in, they're a little bit dour and a little bit. Mick McCarthy's always nice and bright. Good morning, lads. Good morning, Mick. And off they went to ask their questions about his 38 man provisional squad for Ireland's Euro 2020 qualifiers. His first game's back against George and Gibraltar. Yeah, and obviously people were talking about the amount of players that were named, but one thing that really caught my eye is Newport's FA Cup hero, uh, Padraig Amund, was announcing the squad. I was delighted to see that, just to give him a chance alongside. He's been impressing over in England. But you obviously have the, the main names, Robbie Brady, the Jeff Hendricks. The, but another thing that people were talking about is Glenn Whelan. Yeah. It came out of nowhere, didn't I thought he retired. Well, you see, so his last game for Ireland was against Northern Ireland. He was the captain. And... It was going to be his last game for Ireland. And I remember interviewing him at the press conference before this match. And he did say, in very plain terms, I am not retiring if any manager ever needs me and I'm still playing to the level that they feel I'm good enough, I'll play. Now, at that time, Martin O'Neill was still the manager and I would assume they'd had a chat and Martin said to him, listen, you're not going to really be in the plans because you're getting on a bit and etc, etc. But he's flying, he's playing really well and... He's back in the squad and, and Mick just rang him. Fair play to Mick. He just rang him up and said, listen, are you, are you available? And Glenn says, yeah, I am. It'll be very interesting to see if he plays him though. Yeah, but I think if he plays him or not, he's going to be good to have around the back regardless for his experience because a lot of people take a pop at Glenn Whelan, but I think he actually has been a good servant for Ireland considering the pool of talent that we have to choose from. So I think it's only going to be a good inclusion for him. Yeah, and I suppose if you were a young Irish midfielder, would you be thinking... Should I be given a chance? But Mick clearly feels that Glenn will offer and he did speak about him being a sitting midfielder, a midfielder who'll play a defensive role and let the other attacking midfielders go and do their stuff. So yeah, well done to Mick for picking Glenn Whelan and he's been telling us all about the squad that he's chosen for these games. Well, in naming the squad that I've done, I've considered that. So, you know, what if, if we went to Gibraltar and I wanted to change somebody and bring somebody else in? So, I've named sufficient amount of players. Uh, I think the... Uh, just a different surface, playing, coming back, re- recovery after that is different than having played on, on grass, certainly. Not bemoaning the pitch at all, it's just, it is just different. Uh, and just travelling back, but I've, I've named sufficient players if I want to change it tone and do something different for the next game. Yeah, Mick McCarthy speaking to us there about that squad that is named. You can read it in full in, on the uh, sports page at 98fm.com. And Nathan Ireland's uh, first match away to Gibraltar, March 23rd, at the tiny Victoria Stadium. And I'm looking at this, it's an AstroTurf pitch, which Mick just spoke about there. Like, it's tiny. It's going to hold, <coughs> excuse me, 2,300 people. I, I heard that there was rumours that they had to stop ticket sales online because Irish people were buying too many tickets. Something like that, they had to have the correct allocation so you could only buy a certain amount of tickets in Gibraltar and there was a queue around the corner for people to buy the tickets in Gibraltar. Yeah, well, the FAI have secured 800 tickets, which if you do your maths, 800 and 2,300, it's going to be about a third, but according to RTE anyway, loads more Irish fans will travel 
and try and get tickets from fans outside and watch the games in the local bars as they always do but you, you would have hoped it might have been in a bigger stadium but then the home game against Georgia a few days later hopefully the first Irish home game in a long time that's actually sold out and packed to the rafters to go and watch it. Mick's first home game against Georgia and as I mentioned we'll have tickets to give away for that game on next weekend's show but it'll be nice to have the squad in and Mick has spoken about just actually getting his feet under the table now with the group and, and getting the players in. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually interested I know people aren't going to be judging it based on the Gibraltar performance but I actually am interested to see the, the philosophy Mick tries to instill and how he tries to get his team to play because obviously for so many years us as Ireland fans we've been deprived of actual football it's usually a tip off back to the centre half lump up to the striker and then defend for 89 minutes that's what I'm used to seeing anyway so it'd be good to see a change hopefully against Gibraltar Yes, now the 3rd of May 2019 Ireland and Dublin will host the under 17 European Championships which Ireland will be in because they are the host nation and they've done really well in the previous couple of competitions now a man who has lots of memories of winning things and playing so well for Ireland particularly at under 16 level years and years ago under the legendary Noel O'Reilly the late great Noel O'Reilly and Brian Kerr is John O'Shea and he's the official FAI under 17 Euros ambassador and this week in Abbottstown he sat down with our Stephen Doyle to reminisce about those days also tell us why he's still playing and how possibly he'll either become a manager in future or join us in the media. When I was asked to, would I be the ambassador for it, it was something I was uh, delighted to be asked and uh, very, very proud, obviously, to, to be the ambassador for the tournament. And It was a huge, huge moment in, in my career, starting off, um, to be able to be part of uh, Brian and Noel's team, to be the first Irish team as well to, to, to win a major tournament. Um, was was incredible and it was a great learning curve for, for the start of my career as I said but also now coming back to being ambassador for 20 odd years later um, it's, it's incredible and I'm sure it's going to get fantastic support and it'll get I know it'll get amazing support down in Waterford So John 21 years on from when you played in that tournament and you're out Reading now and I know it's been a season where you've had a few injuries to deal with you've only made 10 appearances at Reading when you're kind of coming towards the end of the season now, I know your contract is up in June. Mm. What's your thoughts on your career now? Do you do you keep pushing on to try and play next season, or is do you think this could be your yeah, last season? It could be, but it might not be as well. Um, let's wait and see. At the last few seasons, in particular, obviously I've just waited until the end of the season, let the dust settle, and then make that call then. Um, but look, whatever happens going forward, um, I've had. And a chance to play professional football for for 20 years, so it's uh, I've had an amazing run at it and plenty of up, ups and downs along the way. But to to be to be able to do a so-called job that I've been doing from six, seven, eight years of age to to, to, to the age I am now, it's been uh, obviously amazing. So and there's lots to look for. There's lots to look forward to as well. I've been doing little bits of. Uh, TV and punditry stuff over in the UK the last few months just um, see getting a, getting a little flavour for that also but obviously having my my BMI or my A licence um, and to think about starting the pro I was going to start it recently but I just thought while I was still playing that I wanted to wait until I was fully committed um, to 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 start a pro licence because it's not something that you kind of want to do when you're you're still playing I think. To, to be retired from playing I think is, is, a, is a better thing and you're, you're fully committed to it then and uh, so that's something I'll be looking forward to doing down the line but let's wait and see A few of your old teammates have kind of gone down the punditry route 
few of them gone down the coaching route and I would say Robbie Keane is now working with Mick McCarthy Damien Duff tried the punditry but now he's involved with Celtic Roy Keane of course he's done a bit of both which would you prefer do you think would you prefer to get into <laughs> coaching management or would you prefer to be sitting there analysing games yeah it's it's one of them things I think initially look I want to you want to you want to stay in football um, it's uh, I think especially with the players the the players the management the teams that I've been at um, if I haven't learned a few things over the years especially internationally as well um, that I'd be I'd be disappointed if I couldn't have an impact at a team whether it be to coach manage whatever the case may be with younger kids or with senior players that I'd hope I'd have something to offer and that's definitely a route I want to explore at some stage I always felt speaking to you maybe after an Ireland game when we get you in a mix zone that you were you're always great at, and it's not all players are but great at analysing a game maybe just a few moments after coming off the pitch so in that sense maybe is like coaching or management maybe the, the, better, the better role for you yeah look as I said who knows you could go into the job the way the way it happens sometimes for, for managers that uh, the owners change their mind very quickly about certain things so let's wait and see it's, it's something that I'm excited about and uh, hopefully there'll be opportunities come that way but I can maybe try to get a job on off the ball or something, or something like that as well. You know? We'll take it, John. There's a fellow called Kevin Kilban, probably outstanding as well. Oh, no, killer, killer. <laughs> killer will, uh, killer. He's, he's, he's mastered it now. He, yeah. he's, he's doing great. You can watch that full interview right now on youtube.com forward slash off the ball as John O'Shea spoke to us here as he was launched as the ambassador, official ambassador for the 2019 UEFA European Under-17 Championships which are being hosted uh, in Ireland with some games taking place in Dublin and across the country as well. League of Ireland on 98FM The best place on the radio for the SSE Airtricity League. Now, Nathan, do you think we have many listeners in Donegal? Uh, yes. So, people in Dublin listen to us like on their car radios or in their house but you can listen to us on the app and online and on the radio player app and you know, you can listen to radio anywhere now in the world. So I'm hoping our thousands upon thousands of Donegal listeners can help me because yesterday after a match, our team bus drove away from the area and an hour up the road back to Dublin, we realised that the boot of the bus was wide open and I've had the same pair of football boots for like years and years and years. Adidas Copa Mundials with rainbow laces. I love them. They're in bits, but I love them. And one of them fell out the back of the bus and is gone. And I tweeted last night and I've had some assistance, but still the boot has not been found. I don't know if that's a really uh, good thing to happen to you for hygienic purposes, because. Um, but again, I see that you have a sentimental value to it. So Absolutely. Maybe, maybe if you could try and get a hashtag trend and like hashtag find Jay's boot. Yeah, we could do that. Find Jamie's boots, yeah, because now some of the players lost their bags. That's, so that's a bit that more. Is worse. But uh, one boot survived, and I just always put the boots in, like last, you know, the thing, and yeah, gone. The little alarm on the bus uh, boot was broken, so the driver didn't know the bus door was open, and some motor stopped us halfway up the road and said, Your boot's open. And we went straight away going, Oh no, because the boot was packed to the rafters. Oh, how, did, no. how did one boot survive? I don't know it was hanging on by a thread <laughs> and one of the the other lad's boots was beside my boots and his boots were still there 
Oh, that's even yeah. worse and it's even worse that one stayed as well so it just gives you a little taste of what you've lost yeah so uh, please if anybody can help uh, find us on Twitter it's at Jamie Moore Sports you'll see a photo of the boot and you might be able to find it for me and bring it back to its rightful owner I will be delighted if you could now League of Ireland results on Friday Shamrock Rovers are top of the table they beat St. Pat's 1-0 at a packed Richmond Park the biggest crowd at Richmond for a Pats game in years and years really from a league point of view Aaron McInef's first half penalty was the winning goal and afterwards both managers in a minute Harry Kenny of St. Pat's but first Stephen Bradley from Shamrock Rovers spoke to our end. Yeah, we're happy. I think we we deserved on top. We played with good energy, good tempo, created a lot of chances. Delighted to get the clean sheet. I know, one 0 win in the end, but it could have been a lot more. Yeah, it could have been four or five, to be honest. Um, there were clear cut chances that we missed, and we need to be more ruthless. We need to learn from that. Uh, but it's delighted with defensively how we played. Harry, uh, defeated home in a Dublin derby, you must not be very happy with that result. Oh, very disappointed with the result, yeah. Um, it's a very intense game, great atmosphere with a great crowd, but um, first 25 minutes, Rover sort of dominated the ball and created a couple of chances, um, and it took us that length of time to get into the game before uh, we created a couple of chances in the match, but uh, at the end of the day, we were beaten by a penalty, and that's all there was between the two teams. Yeah, unlucky for uh, <clears throat> St. Pat's beaten 1-0 by Shamrock Rovers. Well done to Rovers, though. Great crowd and a really good performance from them. The other game in Dublin saw Bohemians draw 1-1 with Derry City. The first time this season the Bows have conceded a goal, Owen Stokes from the penalty spot. But James Finnerty equalised with 14 minutes left. And afterwards, Keith Long gave his views to Bows TV. If it's a fair result, yeah, it probably, probably is. Um, when you're on the balance of it, you know, we could have won it, that's for sure. But... Um, you know, uh, a little bit disappointed um, ultimately to come away. I think it's two two points dropped. Yeah, but also having a really good start to the season. Dundalk, the champions from last season, double winners back to winning ways. Hammered Waterford 4-0. Patrick Hoop and Sean Murray, Daniel Kelly and Cameron Dunnigan got the goals there up in Oriel Park. A thriller, Nathan, and uh, some goals have gone viral on social media. Finn Harps 3, Cork City 4. The pitch up there went under a pitch inspection in the afternoon time because of the rain and the snow in Donegal. They get, maybe they have my boot. That they could someone have could have it maybe Garoad Morrissey who scored the two wonder goals for Cork was wearing my boot he definitely wasn't because the goals went in when he shot okay. Jay that's why he wasn't wearing yours so tell us about them because uh, Cork won 4-3 7 goal thriller and if you haven't seen these goals we're going to retweet them now on that 98FM from the RT Soccer Public uh, Match of the Day account like one of them was like Dennis Burkamp from Arsenal back in the day. Brilliant. That was exactly how I would have described it. It was unbelievable. Like I th- you could hear the crowd sort of half go silent and half cheer because it was just that good a goal that even the home fans had to stand up and give it a bit of a cheer. It was unbelievable. Yes, yeah, so have a look on Twitter. We will uh, retweet those goals right now. One game last night, uh, UCD beaten uh, 1-0 by Sligo Rovers. Romeo Parks got the winner there after just six minutes. In the first division, Shelburne 2 at Lone Town, nil down at Lone Town Stadium. Important win for Shells given uh, their average start to the season. It finished Cabantini 1, Longford 1 in Stradbrook. And I don't know if you've seen the photo. I'm going to try and find it here quickly uh, to show you. The photo of the pitch in Stradbrook where Cabantini play. Um, there's rugby on there as well because they share it with Black Rock. But like, look at that. Does that look acceptable for you to play any sort of match on? Genuinely looks like concrete. Yeah, it's like a farmed field. And yeah. in my opinion, I don't think League of Ireland games should be allowed to be played there at the moment. It's really, really in really poor uh, condition. And in fairness to Cabin Teedy and the staff there, they do get it good after the summer. And I saw a great suggestion last night on Twitter. Why don't Cabin Teedy play four or six of their first games away from home and then when their pitch is actually good... 
they complain about yet yeah, really poor pitch there Galway nil Bray 1 Bray 3 wins from 3 we're going to hear from uh, one of the Bray staff in just a moment Limerick nil, Drotta nil. and one game last night Wexford really really poor so far this season hammered 6-1 by Cove Ramblers now interesting news this week and Bray Wanderers named their first ever and the first ever in the League of Ireland disability access coach his name is Paul Moran and he joins us now on 98FM it's the greatest league in the world. League of Ireland on 98FM. The man who is the new Bray Disability Access Officer and a man who's been around Bray Wanderers for years and years and years as a fan and as a journalist covering games for the radio for East Coast FM. I'm very happy to welcome Porrick Moran to the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast for the first time. Porrick, thanks for having a chat. Now, before we speak about your new job, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your involvement in the club as well. Yeah, so Jamie, I've been around the League of Ireland a long, long time and thanks for having me. I started supporting Bray in 1990, the same as Cup Final on Lansdowne Road where John Ryan scored that infamous hat-trick. So the club is part of my family, it's part of my life. Um, so delighted to be involved with them in this way. Um, as you say, I'm an athlete, I'm a two-time Paralympian. I'm a world champion in the sport of boccia. I have cerebral palsy, which affects my muscle coordination and balance so that's um, my condition I also play para wheelchair soccer for DCU as well So Porik just explain to me exactly what this job actually is as the Disability Access Officer for Bray Wanderers it was launched last week in conjunction with the FAI and the owner Niall O'Driscoll was there at a school locally and the FAI Chief Executive John Delaney as well and it's the first club to kind of make this official appointment and really give us an insight into what you guys are going to do. So just explain to us how you got the job and, and exactly what it's going to look like and entail. I'm delighted to get the role. I started this back last August and when I got my training from Ushin Jordan and John McGuinness in the FAI, I came back to Niall and he said, right off you go, tell me what you want. So I audited the Carlow grounds. I looked at what we needed to do. So one of the first things I identified um, was to improve the wheelchair area and enclose it because obviously... You know yourself, Jamie, on a winter's night down in Bray, if that wind is blown in, you're um, you're going to get wet. So we're enclosing the wheelchair. It's, we're, we're, we're in the middle of doing that. Um, we're sorting out the accessible toilets. That needed a bit of work done on us. We're doing that as well. Um, and it's a very, very simple thing, I, I guess. Um, you know, uh, we're, we're providing blankets uh, for people with additional needs. So be that if we're in a wheelchair and a cold, we have blankets to, you know, look after them. In terms of the other aspect of my role, um, I'm delighted that I'm going to be going in in schools in County Wicklow to roll out the accessibility program because obviously some um, some additional needs are visible or invisible rather. So I'm delighted that I'm going to go out to schools. If I could pick my favourite job, this would be it. I've done stuff like this before uh, with an inclusive sports programme. So this part of the job I absolutely love. Now, one of the coolest things we're doing is we're giving everyone in County Wicklow with additional needs a free season ticket just purely to get them to, into the League of Ireland because disabled people are one of the world's uh, largest minority groups and access to sport and facilities isn't great so if we can do that and we can get people into the ground and with additional needs where there is no access there is no barriers that's what I want my role to be about and Porrick Bray Wanderers are the first club to make this appointment as I mentioned how does that feel for you given you've been around the club for so long and you mentioned yourself about you know the 
the sports that you've played across your life and the difference that that has made for you as a person with cerebral palsy and as well about some of the invisible disabilities that some people have and you want to welcome them all to Bray Wanderers to the Cardall grounds and you'll be a, a centrepiece of that now. So again, to be the first club to do this, it's it's massive. The other clubs are going to have to follow us now, and I think for me to have the CEO of the FAI, John Delaney, come out to our launch in Reno School last week was massive. Uh, he's been very supportive to me over the years in terms of making uh, my job in the the stadium a bit easier as well. So to have him there was massive as well. But to be the first to launch us, that's really special because now it's going to make the other clubs follow us and look at their grounds and see what they can do. What we've done is very, very simple, but those changes will make a big difference. In terms of the club, it's just positive energy. It's positive PR, you know. It's going to be saying to people with additional leads, we can go there. There is no difference. There is no barriers. We're equal. And that's what I want to do. I don't want any barriers in the Carlow ground or within Bray Wonders that someone will say, I can't go watch them. I want everyone to say, that ground is brilliant because we Bray don't have barriers. So if I can achieve that, that's my role. Porrick Moran, thanks a million. And more from Porrick and also the Bray Wanderers chairman, Niall O'Driscoll, in the podcast section of 98fm.com. Next weekend in the Premier League, all games take place on Friday evening. It's Cork against Bowes, Derry Dundalk, UCD Finn Harps, Waterford St. Pat's and one game in Dublin, Shamrock Rovers hosting Sligo Rovers. While in the first division, Bray Wanderers, as you just heard, have made three uh, wins from three in their opening games. They're at home to Atlone, it's Strata Cabin Tilly, Limerick Cove, Shells against Wexford in Toga Park and one game Saturday, Longford Town against Galway. 98 FM's Now That's What I Call Sport talks League of Ireland. Now, Nathan, tell me about the uh, Dubs hurlers. They're going to find out uh, later on today who they're going to face in the Alliance National Hurling League quarterfinals. They are indeed. Last weekend, they beat least 13 points to 11 at Parnell Park, but due to poor conditions, many games were deferred to this weekend, obviously because they played last week. This week is a rest week for Maddie Kenny's men. They await to find who will they, they will face in the quarterfinals on St. Patrick's weekend. In action today in Division 1A and B, Cork take on Tipperary at Park Irene. Wexford face Kilkenny at Innovate Wexford Park. Waterford welcome Galway to Walsh Park. All those games throw in at 2pm. Now, uh, no game for the footballers. They're playing Tyrone next Saturday, so we look back on that game on next Sunday's show. But the Camogie girls in action later too. They are they are in action against Kilkenny today in Pilltown. Throw-in is at 3pm. Now, your final chance to win a pair of tickets for Stephen Kenny's first competitive game in charge of the Ireland Under-21s, which is against Luxembourg in a Euro Championship qualifier at Tallis Stadium on Sunday, March 24th. Of course, Stephen will be the Ireland senior manager in a couple of years' time. Tickets on sale now on fai.ie forward slash tickets. But if you'd like to win a pair right now, nice and simple, text or WhatsApp, come on you boys in green, plus your name and where you are and the number you need is 0877 98 98 98. That's come on you boys in green plus your name and where you are on text or WhatsApp to 0877 98 98 98. And Nathan, a big hello to Shelburne winger Conan Byrne who just sent us a WhatsApp. He's listening to the show and he loves it. So Conan, how are you? Thanks for your nice wishes. It's great to, uh, to hear him listening. It is good to hear him listen, especially a man that could be playing his football in the Premier Division again next year. Yes, hopefully so. It uh, could be if Shells can... Uh, Win a couple more games and get promoted. Now, on the way after the break, it's all about the Six Nations with Joe Schmidt, Peter O'Mahony, Gary Ringrose, Rory Best. And we'll also hear about the latest defeat for the women and how the under-20s are actually the Six Nations champions. 98FM's Now That's What I Call Sport with the Liverpool Football Club Store, Ilac Centre. We are Liverpool.
98 FM. Our text and WhatsApp number is 0877 98 98 98. You can use that to enter all of our competitions. But also, if you have any views on what we're talking about or something you'd like us to talk about, that's the same number. Text or WhatsApp 0877 98 98 98. You can also send us a WhatsApp voice note. And if it's any good, you might actually get to hear yourself on the radio. And a message from Gary, who says, Just a note to say, good morning, Jamie, how good it is to see sold-out signs on so many League of Ireland games lately. Long may it continue. If Rovers find a goal scorer, they'll push Dundalk close. And it's great to see how things have turned around. I pray lots of positives around the league at the minute. Yes, Gary, you are very correct on that, and we'll discuss that in more detail on our League of Ireland podcast, which will be on 98fm.com this coming Wednesday. Now, rugby time, Nathan, and the Ireland under-20s are the Six Nations champions with a game to spare. They are indeed incredible stuff for Adam Griggs' men. They overcame a tough England side and the world champions France along the way. Makes it that bit sweeter that it's with one game to spare. So congratulations to the future of Irish rugby. Yeah, now, I would have Ben Healy, just after the final whistle at Irish Independent Park, spoke to uh, RTE. You know, he spoke to Irish rugby TV, should I say. The Ireland under-20s overcame France by 31 points to 29. They claimed the title and that was uh, Healy's first ever start at this level. He kicked 16 points and he was a very happy man afterwards. Ben, a huge exciting game to watch out there. What was it like to be playing in? Yeah, um, it's just incredible. You know, having just won the Six Nations, you're playing in, you know, a Six Nations decider here in front of what looked like a packed house again and it was... Uh, yeah, just absolutely incredible and such a great bunch to do with. It was just such a great experience to have under your belt. It was a game that went back and forth. How did you guys manage that when you went behind? What did you guys say to each other? Yeah, just, just go back to our principles. Like we, we kept saying to ourselves, we're just going to focus on the process. There's obviously a plan in place for a reason, so no need to go away from that. Um, you know, Sometimes in rugby, skill errors happen and you know everyone's human, so mistakes happen. I made plenty of them tonight. Um, so, you know, it's just back to the process and, and doing what we've prepped for because, you know, you don't go away from it just because one mistake comes up. Six days champions, but it's a huge weekend next week against Wales and Friday night. What's that going to mean to you guys? Yeah, I think it just summed up the group there. About two minutes of celebrating and then back into huddle saying we're all about next week. There's a six and eight or there's a grand slam on the line. And that was a message from the coaches there and the players that, you know, we feel we're a team that can go on and do... You know, win a Grand Slam, we don't, we're not just happy within the championship. So, um, yeah, the mood is definitely very good now, but, you know, all heads are in for next week. Yeah, well done to Ben Healy and Noel McNamara and everybody with the Ireland Under-20s, of course. Uh, Adam Griggs is the women's manager, myself and Nathan. A little bit cross-wires with all of our pieces of paper here. So, Adam Griggs, we're going to hear from now in just a second about the women's uh, latest defeat. But Noel McNamara, the Under-20s manager, well done to them. One game to spare, and of course, they can win the Grand Slam next week as well. So, the best of luck to them. Now, uh, not so much luck for the Ireland women, and they could have their worst Six Nations finish in 13 years, Nathan, because they were uh, fairly, fairly, fairly well beaten by France. Uh, it's... You look at the Ireland women's uh, results that they've had and it's not ideal considering they have 98 games. They've only won 41 of them, losing 57. That's a 41% win rate. It's not ideal, but when you compare it to Scotland who have a mere 28% win rate and Italy's 26, it's clear to see the golfing class with England winning 87%, 93 wins in their 106 games. Obviously, in France won it last year. Generally, England and France, the two teams to beat, but of course, Ireland definitely need to improve. Yeah, and a really good headline and first paragraph from Ryan Bailey on the 
142.e. A record-breaking crowd made this a progressive night for women's rugby, but again, there were few signs of growth on the pitch as Ireland were guilty of making mistakes and errors that have seen them fall so worryingly off the pace. The record crowd was 6,047, which is over 1,400 more people than attended Ireland's opening weekend game against England. Now, a concerning stat, Ireland have won just 12 of their 31 games since they won the Six Nations back in 2015. That's just a 38% win ratio they play at Wales away next weekend and they'll need to pick up results in that game because otherwise it'll be their worst Six Nations finish for 13 years and after that defeat the other night uh, the head coach Adam Griggs spoke to RTE Yeah we're disappointed um, we were beaten by a better side at, at the end of the day like they put us under a lot of pressure and uh... Adam bitterly disappointing in terms of the end result overall how do you assess the Irish performance tonight? Yeah we're disappointed um we were beaten by a better side at the end of the day. Like They put us under a lot of pressure and um, unfortunately we're just having some lapses in concentration and in that lapse in concentration it's costing us two or three tries where you can allow one lapse but you've got to bounce back and make sure you, you problem solve on the go and you don't keep giving in more tries and making the, the hill that much harder to climb. This has become a common theme of the conversations we've had over the last couple of weeks so it must just be immensely frustrating for the coaching staff and I'm sure the players as well that do you reflect on a situation where you're letting yourselves down somewhat? Yeah, we have to. We have to be honest with ourselves. And, and you know, as I say, those things that are costing us in games are making um, games that should be closer and tighter that much harder for us. And then when you end up chasing the game, you know, you do other things that you wouldn't and then that opens the game up for, to cost you more. So we've got to be better in the, those areas. The harsh reality is when you place teams like England and France at home amongst the best teams in the world, they are going to punish you. Yeah, they did that tonight. They punished us in, in, time, in times where um, we had some control, but again, we weren't clever enough and using the areas of the field, you know, in the first half, I thought we got some good territory and we put them under pressure and we come away with two tries and we spoke about that at half time and then we turn around and within the first 10 minutes, we're giving up a couple of tries. So we've got to be better coming out of the other side of half time and coming out of the blocks quicker and forcing pressure on teams. You're on there. That's what I call sport on 98 FM. It's 10 to 10 on Sunday in Dublin. Now, three o'clock at the Viva Stadium later. What a big game. Ireland against France. And uh, of course, we're looking to retain our Six Nations title. And you can read about the full Irish team in the sports pages of 98FM.com. But today is going to be Joe Schmidt's final game, competitive home game in charge of Ireland, of course, because after the World Cup in Japan later this year, he's moving back to his uh, home country, New Zealand. And uh, we've been asked him, if he'll be emotional walking out for the final time in a competitive game at TV later on. Yeah, I, I, I briefly mentioned it to my wife yesterday when I uh, when I called in at home, and it, it is one of those things that will be hard to say goodbye to. I've got to say, we've had um, you know we've had some some great years, some great occasions in the Aviva, and um, you know it'd be great if this is another really positive experience. Um, and and we've been working toward that this week, but it is it is certainly about the performance. Um, uh, players, players play under those circumstances all the time. You never know when your next cap is coming and and the length of your career. So, uh, I guess coaches operate like that as well. You know, um, you, you can be chopped at any time. So, for 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 me personally, uh, I think this end of the week it's very much about the players anyway, and and they really take control and they're the ones who who will put the performance together and. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things that when um, when you are going to to, to move on and and uh, and not be involved in the game, 
there's things that you're going to miss for sure So how are the players feeling about Joe's departure on this uh, last home game of course there's loads to go with another Six Nations game and the World Cup etc but Gary Ringrose is aware that Joe his head coach will want to leave a home game on a high Yeah definitely um, I, was, I wasn't there while he was at Leinster but I would have been supporting in the in the crowd so um, yeah you want to win for the coaches because all of them the whole team put in a serious amount of errors and I mean, they're always up first when, when you get up in the morning. They're there and um, probably the last to leave as well. So they want the best for you. And then equally, you want to deliver back for them. How does so. it feel that you were there as a supporter watching Joe coach the, the Leinster team? And now here, here you are. He's heading into his last competitive match in Dublin and you're one of his key players. Um, as I, it's, it's still pretty surreal. I never take the kind of opportunity I'm given for granted. Um, whether it was out supporting the Leinster team that, that Joe was coaching, or um, even supporting some of the lads that I'm playing with now. So, um, yeah, it's always a pretty cool experience. And, and there's that kind of pinch yourself moment when you're out there. It's you know, like goosebumps when you go out and play in the Aviva in front of your family, friends, the crowd, and alongside some guys you've looked up to. So it's a, it's a pretty special feeling. So Gary Ringrose looking forward to that special feeling at the Aviva, as is Peter O'Mahony, who's hoping to make home advantage count. Look, every time we, we come out against any team in, in the Aviva, you know, it's it's our home. It's a place we want to set our tone in, and and it's it doesn't matter hugely who's there. We always pride ourselves in, in our home performances, and obviously the last one we've been here, um, you know, we didn't get the result that we wanted or the performance. So, um, you know, it's up to us certainly um, to get ourselves right. We've we've had a great training week. I've really enjoyed the last few days training. Um, We've got some, some good detail done, but we've got some good hard work done as well. And and it, it, we know better than anyone, your week's preparation is is, is a huge step forward to, to putting that, I suppose, that, that physical performance in at the weekend. And, um, you know, that's going to be certainly very important in the Viva. The views now of the Ireland captain, Rory Best, who led his team at the captain's run at the Viva yesterday and afterwards spoke to Irish Rugby TV. Rory, captain's run done. How's the squad feeling? Yeah, look, I think we're in, we're in good form now, yeah. A little bit of sun coming out here. I think, as always, coming to this magnificent stadium, it just it puts a bit of a spring in the step. And there's a really good buzz today. It's, it's been a good uh, what ten days since we met up in Belfast last Wednesday. And um, yeah, look, we're just really looking forward to getting out into the game. Outside the camp, there's a lot of talk swirling about positivity, negativity, that kind of thing. Rob Carney addressed it earlier in the week and said, you know, you're all just human beings as well as players. For you as captain, how do you kind of help the squad to deal with those kinds of issues? I think you've you got to keep working hard. You know, it's something that we've never backed away from that, that we need to make sure that, you know, we are on this unbelievable run of, of wins and uh, what's it, 23 to 25 because of the hard work we've put in. Um, and that gives us the confidence to go out and play, but we've also got to got to use that. We've got to express ourselves. We've got to go out and, and just and trust each other. And I don't think there's there's ever a lack of trust. But sometimes, whenever you don't go exactly how you want to at the start of the championship, everyone goes into themselves a little bit. And, and over the last two weeks, has been about trying to get boys just to come out of themselves and and trust what we've been doing for well, right back since Joe came in, really. 
Yeah, that's the Ireland captain, Rory Best. Now, Nathan is still beside me in studio. The other results from yesterday, Scotland 11, Wales 18, the final score in Murrayfield. While England had a really resounding win over Italy, 57-14, and Ireland playing France today, Diviva at 3 o'clock. So, the Six Nations table, Wales on top with 16 points, playing four games. England next with 15 points after four games. And Ireland third, they played three games on nine points. Now, Nathan, just explain to me, because Ireland have to win today to keep their hopes alive. And then if they do that and they beat Wales on the final day and England fail to win in their final game which is against uh, on the final weekend next weekend England of course are playing at home to Scotland Ireland will be Six Nations champions so it's not all in their own hands but we still have a chance Yes we definitely have a chance but again like you have to reiterate that we need a bonus point win some would say against France today because the four points will lift us up to what 13 points two behind England you're sort of again leaving it to them to need a bonus point so I think a bonus point win today is ideal and then of course we have to try and stop Wales winning the Grand Slam next week Yes uh, now the man who but the Ireland manager after Joe Schmidt departs is Andy Farrell and he's also been giving his views on today's game to Irish Rugby TV I suppose with the un- unpredictability of, uh, of uh, how the French uh, have played in the, in the in the past, uh, you've got to expect anything, Barry. To be to be honest, um, they have been really close because the the two good sides, uh, two very competitive sides, big sides, aggressive, who have uh, um, got all sorts going on within the game. So, um, would it be close? So you know, the the game takes its own course, doesn't it? As it as it goes, and we've got to be able to manage that. We leave the final word to the Ireland boss, Joe Schmidt. I think they've got a bit of confidence out of that Scotland win, particularly um, getting the bonus point at the end of. I've kind of gone online and listened to what uh, Louis Picamol said, Girado, uh, Fiku, um, and uh, again, that that saying that what they uh, what they did against Scotland doesn't necessarily mean that it gets repeated in Dublin, but that they're driven to to deliver that and a bit more. And uh, they've obviously focused on a couple of areas in the game that that are in the media anyway now uh, that they need to be really competitive and combative in if they are going to come to Dublin and get a result. Yeah, the very best of luck to Ireland. Kick off at the Aviva Stadium at 3 o'clock. Live updates across the afternoon here on 98FM. Now, that's it for another week on the That's What I Call Sport. Thank you very much for listening and to all of our guests. More from all of them in the podcast section of 98FM.com. Our full Cheltenham Racing Festival preview with Dennis Kieran and Co. Some great tips there as well. So if you missed that earlier on this morning, you can listen back to that right now on 98FM.com. League of Ireland Sunday, finding out about the first ever League of Ireland Disability Access Officer, plus chats with John O'Shea and Mick McCarthy. And our full Six Nations stuff as well is all there you can listen back as well on our 98FM app or wherever you happen to find your podcast now the winner of a pair of tickets to go and see Ireland's under 21 Euro qualifier against Luxembourg at Tallis Stadium in a couple of weeks time it will be in touch with Val Lacey after the show well done to Val now on next week's show don't forget we've got tickets to give away for Ireland against Georgia at the Aviva in Mick McCarthy's first game back at home as Ireland manager we're back next week folks we'll see you then bye bye 98FM's now that's what I call sport with the Liverpool Football Club Store Ilac Centre 98FM Enjoy the rest of your Sunday folks Bye bye 98FM Now that's what I call sport Get the full show Every Sunday morning from 9 Only on 98FM